<laughs> Welcome back to the Sly Podcast, the uh, Salt Light and Yeast Podcast. We're the Yeasty Boys. Uh, Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor here at Wapak Naz. Matthew Kirkpatrick, Youth and Associate Pastor. And this is the Sly Podcast. It is unscripted, off the cuff, and honestly, today... It's going to be the podcast about nothing. It's the Seinfeld episode. <laughs> it's the Seinfeld episode. Oh my goodness. Yikes, bikes, Batman. Well, uh, um, just kind of where we've been, uh, kind of context to where we are socially um, in, our, in, our, in our state, uh, in our country, in the world. Um, we have been overrun by... Uh, virus that is naked to the eye um and so uh currently um things are starting to slowly open um here in ohio Mm -hmm. um mike dewine has has started to uh bring some release um and honestly i'm not sure what's open at this point i mean obviously all essential things have been open i don't think anything's changed in the last few weeks uh, but starting tomorrow may 1 may 1 yeah um things will some businesses will begin to open up with with new guidelines and restrictions um and then for the next about two two or so weeks there'll be kind of a progression of some businesses opening up yep Um, but that won't even still get us to full scale um, stuff still not everything will still be open at that point uh, medical uh medical appointments have have started to to occur yeah elective um, surgeries all that kind of stuff yep so and and for on on our end um at at our store i mean we've we've been really preparing in the last week to a week and a half to to open up um quote unquote full store it won't be a full store yeah. um we're gonna pr- primarily um use about 300 square feet for customers only um, products behind um, glass and can't be touched and um, so we've we've been preparing and, and been waiting for that green light to go um, and you're personally for you your wife is is still unemployed at this point um, you're still employed we'll see Damn. how that goes <laughs> at the end of this podcast <laughs> just kidding um, where's the bleep button? <laughs> oh, there it is. I got it. I'm good. Okay. Um, and, uh, so for the context for us as, as a church, uh, a local church here uh, on the corner of court and Benton here in Wapakoneta, uh, we have basically been doing what we've been doing since March 16th. Um, <clears throat> March 15th was, was our last Sunday service in the sanctuary. And, uh, we continue to have uh, drive-through church services uh, on Sunday mornings, um, partnering with uh, the wonderful Wapak Athletic Club, um, who we actually thought would be open um, probably this Friday, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Governor Standards had said no, um, so they've extended the next two weeks to us, um, fortunately but unfortunately for them. Um, my my heart, and heart has been saddened by that. and uh, Well, that's just part of the, the dynamic of where we're at is this this hope and optimism of uh, potential to open, to yeah. get back to normal, to restart again, um, only to have those dreams crushed in front of you. Um, that's kind of been what's happened the last two months yeah. across our country. Um, I mean, even it was, what, a week or two ago um, that they finally in Ohio said that they weren't coming back 
for schools for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, they had they had held off a lot longer. Some states, as soon as they went into to shelter in place orders or stay at home orders, um, they said schools out of, of in class sessions. We're going to do all distant learning. I um, still think Alice Cooper should have been the one that right? made that announcement. He should have been, but Man. the uh, Ohio kind of held out, and so there was still this this hope and optimism of like maybe we'll be back for graduation for seniors. Yeah. Maybe we'll have prom still. Maybe we'll still do this. Maybe we'll have that. But what's happened a lot of the times is those things haven't yeah. come about. Yeah. Uh, and so as a church, we're, we're, still, we're still operating um, kind of in our plan of action that we've been, at, been uh, for the last several weeks. Um, we'll be meeting as a board uh, via computer uh, next Wednesday and really trying to determine uh, our plan of action. You and I have, have talked about a, a POA, a plan of action um, ourselves, and I've written one up. And um, it, it is contingent really on on what our governor and what are the guidelines and those types of things. And so we're still on a pause, really, um, for, for, for the most part. Uh, but life continues. Um, so, you know, in this time, have you had, have you personally had a, a, a breakdown, um, a mental breakdown? Did you at one point panic? Kind of, kind of open your chest cavity a little yeah. bit here. And, um, you know, it, it, <clears throat> and I've been, I've been pretty fortunate, um, I think we've talked about it in here the the impact to my uh, family of origin unit mm-hmm. has been pretty minimal. Yeah. Um, my siblings that are adults are all still working. Yep. Um, my father is still working. Um, my uh, family is all healthy and well. Yeah. Um, I'm still working. Um, my wife is is not, but we've got the financial means that we need to, to survive. Um, so there hasn't been stress or anxiety from that. Um, so like we've had this, this kind of, I've had days actually where I've woken up and I've had to remind myself that the world's in a different place. Yeah. Um, because as I wake up and I'm in my house and and my children are young enough that they're relatively unimpacted by this. Um, I have to remind myself, Oh yeah, the world is different outside. Um, so um, I say all that to say no. Um, I think where more of my anxiety, if you will, would come from is... From your boss. From my boss. Um, Having to see his face every day. Well, and, and the lashes that I receive daily uh, <laughs> across my back. Is this really... <laughs> Man, there's going to be an investigation that happens as a result of this. Oh my goodness. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, FBI, I'm just kidding. Uh, they're not lashes. Uh, <laughs> wow. No, but, but my anxiety probably comes more from um, the future unknowns. You know, the, the fear of, man, what does youth ministry look like coming out of this? Yeah. You know, what does it look like to try to gather teens together for a summer camp mm-hmm. um, or for some kind of retreat or even just on a weekly basis to have a, a kickball game or a cookout or whatever? You know, you're talking about pulling, you know, 12 dozen teenagers all from different family units. And now when we talk about the social distancing measure, you've you've busted a huge hole into that because yeah. because you've got a lot of different families of origin now all impacted 
um, by this one event that you held to have some fun. Yeah. Um, so that's that's probably where you know my mind um, gets lost a little bit, if you will, in yeah. this process. <clears throat> uh, but in the current circumstance, man, I I I feel like I'm kind of just riding the boat, but I I'm kind of unaware of how tumultuous the waters are. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so I know that, you know, there, there are probably some people who listen to this and many other people who are in a similar position as me, who are relatively unimpacted um, by it personally. Um, their family are, are all still working. They're still working, receiving paycheck. You know, there's other folk in the world that are, yeah. are going through this. Yeah. Um, but there's many who are not. I mean, the unemployment rate is it is massive. astronomical. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, so, 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 as in everything in life, we have this this challenge of bridging the gap from my personal experience. What is it that I personally am seeing and experiencing, yeah. and learning and understanding and empathizing with those who are experiencing something very, very different? Yes. Um, because f- at, at this point, I fully expect that my family will come out of this pandemic um, Fairly unscathed. Uh, unaffected by it in many ways. Yeah, un- unscathed, yeah. Uh, and, and so when we look back on it, uh, for us, it'll be more of a, wow, how how messed up did the world get as a result of this? Yeah. Look at all these economic imp- implications that happen as a result of it. Um, but for us personally, we won't have that emotional tie to it. Um Whereas many will be dealing with the emotional uh, devastation from their lives being devastated by it, loss yeah. of family members, yeah. loss of job, and, and no return to job, or or whatever else, um, that they'll be they'll be processing it in very different ways long term, not just in this moment, but long term as we get out of this and we're looking back, we have this divide that's created by the way we're experiencing what we're experiencing. Mm. For us, uh, for me, I, you know, I, I did have a probably about a three or four hour span of panic on the front end of this, um, and uh, quickly came out of that, um, and uh, just really tried to put my head down and go, especially those first those first two weeks, first well, first three weeks really. Um, my head was spinning, your head was spinning. We were really trying to figure out next steps and direction and how we're going to do this and that and how we're going to love on our folks, how are our folks going to get taken care of. And and literally those first two weeks went went by so fast yeah. for, for, for me. Yeah, they flew. Um, and uh, I really didn't settle down until probably like the third week. Um, and I was able to get a grasp on a routine and, uh, you know, my wife personally had, had her breakdown, um, probably about four or five days ago. Um, just, it was really probably Saturday, Sunday, really, really tough couple days. Um, you know, and, and, um, but we're so far, we've been relatively unaffected. Um, I know personally, um, I've not been able to, um, be with my mom. Um, or with my sister the last several weeks because of um, potential contact with people and um, things of that nature. 
Um, so I want, it, you know, taking those standards to, to make sure that they are protected. So I, you know, I guess what in this time, again, this is, this is actually going to be a podcast about something because we're going to go in some direction here. Um, I, I'd like to share some scripture here shortly, and, and I'd like for you to, to share um, what are some some scriptures that have been really um, smoothing your edges, um, speaking into your spirit, challenging you, um, pushing you forward, teaching you, convicting you, um, are there particular stories or scriptures uh, that that you have been coming back to over the course of the last several weeks? Um, and if not, then you're not a real pastor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hence the lashes every day. Uh, no. I, yeah. <laughs> I, well, and I, I've noticed digital engage has been in Ezekiel. I think yeah, the last, last two, two weeks, weeks. Yeah. at least. But what about you personally? Um, <clears throat> not not what you've been teaching, but what you've been learning well so first of all i just want to say like that term smoothing the edges um i don't know if we got there in that sermon series or if you ever mentioned it the last sermon series we were in before COVID hit well we were literally in the middle we, yeah we were just on the front end forging we're, the edge yeah we had just done a week of it or something like that it was the second week was our last yeah. sunday here yeah which and was the, which was that weird week where we were kind of beginning to head towards stay-at-home orders, but it hadn't hit all the way yet. And so yeah. we were kind of in that limbo because we're a smaller church, and we said, yeah. we're, we're going to meet. And it was that Sunday, that Sunday, uh, the 15th, Afterwards. Yeah. The 15th that uh, we we met as a board for two hours and prayed through. So yeah, we were in the middle. We, we just started that series. So, so that forging the edge, the whole premise of that was we had this image of of a axe grinder, um, grinding the axe and and the purpose and intention of our spiritual lives, if, if we are a, a blade of, of any sort, um, the more a blade is used, the more it gets dull. Um, thus, the more it must be resharpened and you must get your edge back. Forging the edge, create the edge, all this kind of stuff. Or the longer a blade sits in the drawer yeah, and, and isn't and used. And isn't used, either way. The, the duller it is and the tarn more tarnished it becomes. And So the idea... Uh, that you said, and I don't like I said, I don't think we, we got to it in that, and I don't know if it would have come out, but that smoothing the edge um, is is just this um, great image of refining. Yes. Um, this great image of it, it, it's not good enough to just be sharp. Um, you have to be precise. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to be um, delicate, if you will. To be intentional and to be uh, effective, you know, I think of of a surgeon's tools. Um, they're not a hatchet. You know, a, a surgeon doesn't use a hatchet to cut into a body to perform surgery. Um, no. They use very small, precise blades, and they are very intentional with what they cut, how they cut, and where they cut. Um, and that's all part of it. So the smoothing the edge, not to get lost here, but the smoothing the edge image, as you as you just said that, um, really just stood out to me because there are moments where um, we get this zealous drive and we get all of this motivation, uh, but in the process, we don't have any fear of mowing people down. Um, we just cut whatever we can cut, you know, like a machete going through the, the uh, forests of Vietnam and just cut down weeds and whatever we get in our way. Um, but that's not the call and the intention of the Christian walk. 
Um, we are to cut through waste and excess, um, but we are to be precise and delicate and gentle along the way in some regard. So smoothing the edge. Um, so, so to your question. Um, yeah. You, uh, after 10 minutes of. No, yeah. Yeah. I am. <laughs> There's another lash. I am a pastor. So uh, <laughs> this sermon will continue for another 45 minutes or 15 points. Um, so get your notepads out. Um, so I think I mentioned it two podcasts ago or last podcast, maybe even um, one of the places I've been spending some time um, is in Lamentations. Yes. Um, yeah, it was the last, our last uh, podcast. Yeah. And, and I can't really say that there's a spot in Lamentations um, that I've been reading um, or focusing on. Um, but kind of that same conversation I mentioned last time about um, just this idea that it is, is not only okay to grieve, to lament, to give um, to God the things you are upset about, mm-hmm. um, but it's good. It's not just okay, it's good to do those things. Uh, it's healthy, it's well for you to do those things. To call out those things that you are upset about. Not act like it doesn't bother you. Not act like um, you're not concerned about it. So as we began this conversation, what have I been impacted by? What have you been impacted by? Mm-hmm. Those things and the things that those who are listening have, have felt loss, grief, um, fear about, those are good things to lament, to give to God, to share with God. Um, but... Um, the other, the other place I have been sitting personally, um, and, and my digital gauge has really been coming out of my personal study is Ezekiel. Okay. Um, and, and his message, um, the message that God gave him, um, of restoration of community coming together of, uh, rebuilding what was lost, what was dead. Um, you know, Ezekiel 36 um, talks about the new life that God's going to put in you. Um, Creating verse, me a new spirit. Verse 27, yeah. 20, or 36, 27, I think. Yeah. Chapter 36, verse 27. Um, it's somewhere around there. Um, but but this idea that, that God wants to place in us a new heart and a new spirit um, to remove the heart of stone and to place in us his spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, Ezekiel 36, 24. Yeah. Um, basically through 30, 36. Yeah, and, and I think it's 24 says something to the extent of God is going to gather Israel together because at this point Israel is scattered. I will gather you from the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Uh, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Yeah. And 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 that, that image. So obviously this is a prophetic message that God gave Ezekiel to give to the people of Israel um, in a historical place, in a historical time, real people in a real place, in a real time, about the Israelites being scattered and gathered back together. You mean this isn't fake? Yeah, right? Um, and, and so we, we don't want to always assume that prophetic messages for a particular people at a particular time are the same messages for us. Sure. But what we do see in this is God's intention of what he values and what he values is, is community and people being together and united. Um, he values, uh, that closeness and he values giving us his spirit. 
that's what's important to him. He doesn't long for us to to live in the same dead old state. And so Ezekiel 37 um, is is really one of my, I won't call it a life verse, but it's one of those those passages that I come back to frequently. Yes. I come back to often, the valley of dry bones. And when Ezekiel's in the middle of the valley of the dry bones, and God says to prophesy to these bones. A rattle and hum. And they begin to rattle, and the flesh comes on the bones, and the tendons come back together. Yeah. And these bones that were dead and dry and dusty come back to life. Um, man, I feel like that's our our, our world sometimes. Uh, and, and not just pandemic, not just COVID-19, um, but we exist in in this dead state where we're not we're, we're not what we were created to be. Um, you know this this image of restoration that's in. 36, chapter 36, um, where God restores. Um, restore doesn't mean throw away and get something new to replace. No. It means to put back into its original state, to, to beautify back to its original intended purpose or, or position. So when we restore an antique that had a wobbly leg, we, we find and we we get something else and we shape the wood to look like that original leg and we restore it to its original purpose because it had a wobbly leg or was missing a leg and we couldn't use that end table for that purpose anymore. So now we can. We've restored it back to its original. Um, so God's restoration of the people, of us, is to our original state. We, and we've had this kind of conversation about sin and, and our original state as God created us and what sin has done to us and the image of God and and all of this theological stuff that, that comes into it. Um, but when I think about what God's been talking to me about over the last five, six weeks, um, it's really in this, this restoration um, that God wants to restore us. Um, God wants to re rebuild, to, to put in his spirit, to, to clean, to purify, to sanctify, um, to bring back to life that which was dead. Um, and, and, and maybe, maybe I'll overstep here. Um, uh, but maybe that which is dead, it's things we don't realize are dead all the time. Maybe the way we've been doing church <laughs> has been dead. Oh, you're going to step on some toes here. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe the way that we've been living in community, <clears throat> maybe the way that we've interacted with our neighbors over the last two, three decades as as a nation. I'll just say America because I don't know the rest of the world's no. context very well. But, but in America, maybe the way we've been neighbors has been dead for a long time. It, well, and, and you and I, outside of this podcast, have had many conversations. Yeah. And um, after our first week, you know, that first week was a whirlwind. The second week was a whirlwind. In those first two weeks, I said to you, um, time and time again, um, the way we do church has got to change. Right. Um, because there's something broken here. I don't know what it is. Um, now, now, when I say the way we do church, I'm not merely just saying here on the corner of Court and Benton. Right. I'm saying the way we do church here on the western, on the western front. Yeah. Um, and, but and, and it's 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 not a critique of one person or one body no, 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 or, no. or one no. context. 
you know, this is this is an overarching kind of a conversation. Yes. And and this isn't a conversation that says uh, that God has brought the pandemic so that we would be fixed. Um, that is that is beyond the realm <laughs> of of what we believe about God. Yes, that is not incorrect, or that is not correct theology. Yeah. Uh, that is that is way beyond. God does not inflict pain and suffering, so that we might say, "Oh shoot, we've been doing things wrong." No. Um, but God does use moments where we find ourselves afflicted. Yes. And does new, beautiful, yeah. wonderful, creative, amazing things. So back to your, because you were heading somewhere. Back to your statement of, uh, this is. We're gonna to have to do church differently. Yeah. So where where were you headed? Well, it, so that's the dilemma. Um, I think that that we're at, and and we've had some of these conversations in here too. Like, I think you asked me probably the second podcast we did uh, about like where do you see youth ministry on the whole picture mm-hmm. after this? You know, with with everything we've done to shift to being online, um, all this kind of stuff, and, and what I expressed. Um, at the beginning of this podcast about my fear is like, I don't know where we're going to go. Um, I don't know what this is going to look like. Um, I, I feel like, and I fear that it's going to be difficult to build those relationships in the way that um, we've always built them. Um, that we know are effective because it worked for me. Mm-hmm. And if it worked for me, it'll work for somebody else. Um, but God's, uh, creativity um god is is god didn't create the world and then sit back and say i'm not going to create anything anymore because i've created everything i need to create um god is a creative god and he continues to create new things yes um and so so wait there are new things under the sun only that which god has created (laughs) um and and i think that that's where that that phrase comes to play is is that uh, we cannot create beyond what God has created, um, and so what does church look like? Um, what does our gatherings look like? One of one of the the things that I've struggled with over this time, and here again, I, I'm going to critique, and and I don't mean to critique uh, to cause you to um, to question those who you've respected or the things that have been been done that have been helpful for you i don't mean to say like because i'm, I'm questioning this or i'm wrestling with this idea um, that the holy spirit working through the same means in your life isn't valid yeah. um, I, I know that's kind of a confusing statement basically but, you're trying to make sure you're not offending people well let's just put it out there well it, yeah yes okay but so let's, let's throw the idea out. so the idea that this has caused us to go back to house churches that existed in acts the early church um, is a oh, yeah. Let me watch my words. There is is a fallacy. It's far fetched. It's far fetched. We are nothing like the house churches of Acts two. Have this, mercy. This is no way. this has created nothing like that. No. Um, because the house churches that we saw springing up when the early church began were, for one, um, they weren't just people who could live in that home. They were people from the community. Yes. Um, they opened their house to people uh, of different economic level and different social standing and different position and authority. And they came together and they shared together. 
Um, they broke bread together. They sang together. They read the word together. Um, but they also didn't have the organizational structure or the systems and management that exist today in, in all of the denominations across the globe today. Um, so you go to the house church. So you're in Athens and you go to a house church on, on Main Street and then you go to a house church on 2nd Street. Um, they could be totally different. Totally different ideas. Totally different views. Totally different uh, systems and structures. Totally different uh, service order, if you will. They wouldn't have used that term probably. Uh, but they could have done things completely differently because there was no systems and, and structures. So we're still dealing with a systems and structure hierarchy um, that says this is what church is supposed to look like. Um, you're supposed to gather. Um, you're supposed to greet, give some announcements, sing some songs. Maybe you do communion, some other ritualistic stuff, depending on your tradition. Um, there's a preached message, benediction, and you're dismissed. Um, that's what church is, quote-unquote. Um, to do anything other than that is, quote-unquote, not church. Um, so when I say that church probably needs to look different, uh, we need to bust the perception of systems and structure um, in a lot of ways. Yes, totally agree. Um, that's not to say that, that that method or model is wrong or bad um, necessarily either. Because there can be a lot of effectiveness that happens. I, I, I've had moments of encounter with God in a quote-unquote normal church service. Um, so there, it's not that it's it's ineffective for understanding God, um, but to say that this is the only way we can do things um, limits God, uh, limits His creativity, um, and it limits what He's put put in us to be creative. Um, I, I've had lots of conversations with chaplains over the years who um, began their ministry as local church pastors, but ultimately came to a place where they struggled. Um, and I, I think at the foundation, they were struggling with this, um, that they felt that they were ineffective um, at ministering to people because they felt constrained to the structure of church that hierarchy is placed on them. And basically, that constraint really puts a lot of stock in Sunday morning service. Correct. Yeah. You've got one time to shine, uh, or, or three if you've got multiple services. But it's, it's a one-event one show is really what it comes down to. And then everything else that churches do the rest of the week are, are to enhance that or amplify that in some way um, with discipleship programs and, and other meetings, small groups, all this kind of stuff. And, and like I said, all that stuff is good. Uh, it, none of that stuff is intrinsically bad. Um, but when we limit ourselves and we limit God by saying this is the way that God operates, the way that God communicates is solely through the preached word, we're, we're limiting God and we're limiting the spirit. I believe that, that God's spirit works through the preached word in wonderful, amazing ways. But if that's the only way that God is operating, then we're missing how big God is. Correct. We're missing it. Um, so where else is God working? I guess is the question. How else is God doing? How else is God restoring and rebuilding? Um, how else is God, um, fixing the broken? Um, 
And a lot of times that's to go back to the other conversation or the other part that I said, you know, what if, what if our relationships with our neighbors is broken? A lot of the times that begins on your block, at your home, in your neighborhood, with those you work with, with those you see on a daily basis. Um, a lot of times that begins there. Well, this, this goes back to what I originally said on the front end of this. There are going to be churches that thrive, yeah. churches that survive, and churches that die. And I firmly believe, and I still believe this, I, I, will, I will argue this, change my mind, uh, so to speak, but that those, those churches um, that will, will thrive and that will move forward and actually begin to do church differently and become more relevant, more effective, um, are those churches in which the people, yeah. not not necessarily the pastor, the people uh, realize that it isn't the pastor necessarily that um, is supposed to do the ministering and the organizing. Um, it, it really is an organic movement of the Spirit in the people of God, in their communities, in their families, in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces, um, in their interactions on the street, in the store, um, <clears throat> wherever they are. Because you're right, the, if, if, if we're limiting God to the preach word on a Sunday morning, whether it's via Facebook Live, YouTube, or what, from the yeah, pulpit or the platform, um, then we're, we're truly limiting the immensity of who God is and how he works. Um, well, so, that, that, I mean, historically, that was a big reason for uh, the uh, printing of the scriptures. Gutenberg. Yeah, going all the way back to the printing press, going all the way back to the first Bible that was printed. Was, King James. Was in part because there was this monopoly on understanding what God had said in the Word. <laughs> and and yes. the church structure fostered that. We allowed that to be perpetuated uh, by by holding on to the scriptures as if we were the only ones who were allowed to look at them. When you say we, we need to clarify that. Well, the, the, well we, the, the you priestly and I, class. You and I were obviously not alive. But, no, but, but those, the priestly class, those yes. leaders, those church leaders, those that were... Pastors, priests, those who were officials in charge of, yes, deacons, of tending to the body of Christ. Yes. Um, were the ones who were doing that. Um, and so, you know, we have to be be honest about that. Um, and, and critical about that, yes. Um, because our goal, or our goal, our mission um, as as ministers of the gospel is to help people grow and develop, um, not to control and and modify um, what we want them to think or how we want them to behave. Um, it's to allow the, unleash the scriptures for them, allow them to to you know we use this this. Uh, eating analogy allow them to eat and drink from the scriptures themselves and yes. not have to wait until Sunday to be fed correct um, because that's a long week sometimes well and this is this comes back to why we call this the slide podcast salt light and yeast yeah. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount Matthew chapter 5 um, addressing um, a multitude of people 
who are primarily the um, low class, poor class citizens, the farmers, the agrarians. Um, they were not city folk. Uh, they were living paycheck to paycheck, if not paycheck to paycheck. They were living off of handouts. Um, men, women, children, when he addressed them uh, after the what we call the, the Beatitudes, he said, you are the salt of the earth. And he follows that up with, you are the light of the world. And then in another parable um, describing the kingdom of God, he said the kingdom of God is like yeast being hidden in the dough. And so really, um, and, and quite frankly, Jesus equates, he, he says that we are the light of the world, but also he claims himself as the light of the world, which is really intriguing. We don't need to get into that theology yeah. or that discussion, but he there's, it's there's almost a, an equation of, hey, you're the light of the world because I'm the light of the world, and I'm the light of the world inside of you, so go be the light of the world. Because of me. It's not you shining your light, it's... Yeah. You shining me. And so essentially we came up with this this idea of the Sly Podcast because we really want to have these discussions that are really off the cuff um, and unscripted and, and quite frankly tangential uh, if you really want to get down to it. But folks, we want, we want you to be launched. Um, we want you to own your faith uh, in Jesus Christ. We want you to dig into the text. We want you to dig into the scripture. We want, uh, we desire for you and the local church and the church um, all across the world for the people, um, for the people to be launched, um, to go out and be salt, light, and yeast where they are, to infiltrate community, to influence community, because you're strategically placed and planted where you are to make a, a huge kingdom impact. And so, <clears throat> and sometimes that begins in asking questions. Yes, you know, and, and that's kind of been one of the things through this where we've kind of said on, on several of these podcasts where we haven't really come to any conclusions. Uh, no, if you're looking for conclusions, <laughs> like we, we haven't really solved this problem. Uh, we've no, just we've no. just said there's a problem here. Yeah. Um, and so, asking questions um, is, is not something that is is bad for a believer. Uh, we no. encourage asking questions. God encourages asking questions. And wrestling and, and 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 being critical to the point of not being divisive and saying, no. you know, everything stinks and we don't want to be a part of any of this. But being critical to say, is this effective? Are we doing what we say we are called to be doing? Yeah. And, and in the meantime, while you're saying, I don't think we're fulfilling everything we need to fulfill, you begin to go and fulfill what you're supposed to be fulfilling. Yeah. Because it, it, it's not a, it's not a pause to sit by and wait. No. It. We have to ask the question, are we? And yeah. then individually we have to ask the question am i yeah um and and we as staff and also as a board we we constantly um debrief uh whatever we do and tweak it um and in, in my opinion whatever we quote unquote do as wapak naz is always on the chopping block yeah always on the chopping block um because sometimes things run their course uh, sometimes things need need tweaked a little bit changed up a little bit paused a little bit um or just completely just lopped off um 
and 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 there has to be a reinvention sometimes um but yeah uh, i don't know where i was going with that i lost my train of thought um but uh <laughs> so kind of want to you shared some of the scripture that that you've been been unpacking um and and i'm, I'm briefly uh, i'm briefly going to share a little and honestly this kind of is a good transition into what we've been talking about is um there's been two texts that that i've been um, looking at and continue to pop up and actually one person in particular that continues to pop up um, in, in my readings, um, kind of out of nowhere, Elijah, uh, not Elisha. Um, I like Elisha better, but that's not me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Elijah EJ, um, that prophet particularly, uh, a, a brazen, brash, um, call him as I see him. Let's throw off the gloves and have a fist fight prophet. Um, so the story for there's two stories in particularly, uh, one from, from Elijah and one from Samuel. Um, and this is Samuel, not the prophet. It is Samuel, the prophet, but Samuel, the boy before he was a prophet. So, uh, hello, that was my phone. Um, just like a church service, <laughs> just like a church service. <laughs> so I have not come to a whole lot of conclusions, but, uh, I'll tie this into what we just have been talking about launching our people, to be salt, light, and yeast in our communities, in our workplaces, in our families. And the fact that we, as pastors, do not monopolize the voice of God. Right? Yeah. So I'll first start with Samuel. And it, it comes out of Samuel chapter, um, <clears throat> 1 Samuel chapter 3. And uh, this, is, this is the moment where God is uh, calling out to Samuel. And there's a couple things that, that I, I, I want to make note for you and for me, and that has been challenging me. First um, Samuel chapter three, uh, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. So this this boy, um, you'll have to find out the story of the boy in First Samuel chapter one and two. So I'm not gonna not gonna dive into that, but the fact is that he's under a leadership of Eli, and Eli's leadership is about to be done, um, and Eli as a father. Uh, has not been very, shall I say, uh, much of a disciplinarian of his boys. And here we have Samuel, who, and, and I love the fact that it says that verse 2, um, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God, or the ark of the covenant was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. And so this process happens about three times. Uh, basically, it's um, Samuel answered, here I am. And he goes to Eli. And Eli says, why'd you wake me up for? Yeah, what are you waking me up for, man? <laughs> go back to bed. I didn't call you. And this process continues to go. And then the light bulb goes off for Eli. And Eli says, Hey, uh -oh. if the Lord, I think it's the Lord talking to you. So if, if he, if he calls you again, the fourth time, don't wake me up, don't wake me up, <laughs> have a conversation with him, listen. Uh, and so, um, Samuel goes back and the Lord speaks to him. And the bottom line here is, um, for this boy, however old he is, um, he hasn't 
necessarily learn the voice of God. But he's beginning to learn the voice of yeah. God. And he's being taught the voice of God. But also the leadership is telling him, this is the voice of God. Listen to him. And so it said, it closes the scripture, it closes that chapter. And it says, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And he uh, let none of God's words fall to the ground. The Lord continued to appear um, at Shiloh. And there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all of Israel. So there is a process for Samuel to yeah. learn the voice of God. Elijah, um, chapter 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, context is he just had a immense duel calling out the prophets of Baal, about 450 prophets of Baal. Fire of God came down, took the sacrifice. The prophets of Baal were slaughtered. It was a victory for... Well, for, those cool moments you think this guy's not going to have any more problems trusting God the rest of his life. <laughs> exactly. Yet, uh, immediately following this moment of victory, literal victory for Elijah and um, honestly for Israel and um, for, for God, quite frankly, um, Elijah, um, it says, verse chapter 19, verse 3, uh, after... Ahab had talked to Jezebel um, and told Jezebel what had happened. Jezebel was running after Elijah. And verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Um, and he just continued to run um, until he comes to this Mount Horeb, which is the mountain of God, which is, quite frankly, it's the same mountain that God delivered the Ten Commandments to uh, Moses. Uh, many, 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 many years before. And, um, the first download off the cloud. The first download off the cloud. Oh, my gosh. Oh, these dad jokes are killing me, man. <laughs> but, see, Elijah was a prophet who knew the voice of God. And he recognized the voice of God. And he understood the voice of God. And what I find very intriguing is that as Elijah is running for his life and he comes to the point where he's literally depressed um, and he wants the Lord to take his life um, and believes that he is the only one left, which he isn't the only prophet left. Um, I think often our situations um, are such that and our circumstances are such that so overwhelming that we feel that we're the only ones dealing with this and we're not. Um, the Lord said to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And this is what happened. Um, there was a wind, there was an earthquake, and there was a fire. And in all three of those, the Lord was not in them. But Elijah knew the Lord was not in them. But it was in the whisper that Elijah knew that this was the Lord. So we have Samuel, who's this boy that has to be trained up um, to learn the voice of God. And then we have Elijah at a point where he was in his lowest, one of his lowest points. Um, and he was a follower of God. He loved God. Um, he did amazing, miraculous things uh, as a result of God in him. But he even came to his lowest point. But the voice of God was still there. So for me, it's 
my prayer is, God, give me give me Samuel's ears. I, I want to be tender to Samuel's ears, but also I want to understand that um, that you come in different ways. Yeah. Um, but I found this very intriguing. So this is kind of off off the, and I, I actually rec- I just recognized this this morning. After Elijah heard the voice of God, um, God asked him the same question that he asked him right prior to this. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah spouts off the same thing. But then the directive that the Lord said to him, I've been focusing on his the directive um, personally and honestly for our teaching, for forging the edge mm-hmm. sermon series. I was focusing on the directive to go anoint Elisha, the, the prophet that will come behind Elijah. Right. But what I didn't recognize until this morning was the first directive. Verse 15, 1 Kings 19. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Back to verse 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. (laughs) And I'm still trying to parse this out personally. But honestly, I think this is well, this is the Lord telling Elijah, go back the route that you came, walk the route that you ran for your life through. Yeah. And the way through your fears is head on into your fears. You need to walk right back through that valley of the shadow of death. You need to walk back right through those areas that you were running for your life because you were so afraid. You need to go back the way you came and I want you to reflect on everything that you were thinking as you were running this way. Right. I want you to face it. I want you to deal with it. Um, and, and see me, God, in the midst of those places. Absolutely. Where, where you were too busy running and fearing to see me. Yep. Because maybe God was speaking a long time before that whisper came oh. to, to Elijah. And he probably... And see, this is exactly what I was, I was thinking. Is like... These directives that God tells him to do, he says, um, when you get there, anoint anoint this guy over over king of Aram, which is Syria, and then anoint Jehu uh, over Israel, and then anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat. Uh, he will succeed you. Those directives, God already knew those directives well before Elijah was running. Oh, yeah. But Elijah was so overwhelmed with the circumstance. Elijah was so focused on... I'm going to die. Uh, Jezebel is ruthless and she's going to kill me. He wasn't focused on the fact that there was a victory. He wasn't focused on God himself. He was he was focused on that circumstance. And I firm Horeb is way way south. Yeah. Not way close. south. Not close. Not close to where <laughs> Elijah was when he started running. He was coming down off Mount Carmel, which is in the north. Um in the north uh, northeast, or the yeah, the north northwest of Israel, and he took a trek, and it literally was over forty days that he took yeah. that trek to Mount Horeb. So now he's got to walk all the way back north and even further north. So his journey would have been shorter had he paused, had he listened, had he not had a knee jerk reaction. Yeah. And so I don't know. I'm still unpacking this. This might. 
I don't know, but honestly, quite frankly, um, one personally, I want I want Samuel's ears. I want to hear the voice of God, but I also want the tenderness that Elijah had that he could recognize that God was not in the whirlwind, that God was not in the earthquake, God was not in the fire. And often uh, we're looking for neon signs, and quite frankly, it's in the whisper. And so I need to calm myself. I need to pause myself. And this COVID experience has been an extended Sabbath, right? But also for, for many of us, the road to your future, um, the path to wholeness, the path to holiness, the path to well-being is headed on into your fears. Um, not by yourself, but with the Lord. Um, because we might actually be missing uh, what it is that God's really speaking to our spirit. We're, we might actually be missing the mission and the directives for the mission um, because there's so much that we're focused on. It's like Peter walking on the water. Um, Peter never walked on water until Jesus told him to come. But then what did Peter do? He started looking around um, at the waves. Uh, well, it says he was looking at the wind. Um, but literally, he was looking at the waves. He took his focus off the eyes of the uh, his eyes off the author and perfecter of his faith, Jesus, and then he started to sink. Um, I don't know about you, but um, there have been moments in this time that my eyes have been off and looking at the waves, uh, and thinking maybe maybe God's here in this fire or, or this earthquake or or this wind, and He's not. Um, so that was a tangent. I'm still wrestling with this. I'm still walking through this. I really think this prophet, Elijah, um, God is using his story as well as Elisha um, to, to speak into my life. And I'm still trying to figure out what that is. So, so I think that that, that might be a, a good challenge for all of us today. Um, wherever you are. You have to bring this to application, don't yeah, you? Where, wherever you find yourself. And I know... Uh, if you're at home, and especially if you've got little kids at home with you, this is very difficult to do. I, I empathize with that. Um, but get quiet before the Lord. Just find a moment of solace with the Lord. Scripture, prayer, something. And just ask God to speak to you. Speak your fears to him. Uh, speak them out loud, if you will. Yeah. Allow him to hear them, to know them. Lament the things that you're grieving. But then listen for God. Yeah. Because if you're like me, and, and you said it too, Stephen, uh, man, it's so easy to get, to, oh, and Elijah too, it's so easy to get distracted by the things we feel like we need to do to maintain, to... Lead to be effective to be doing God's work that we forget to listen to God in the midst of that. So take a moment, find that place of solace, and listen to God. and And if it's at night tonight after the kids are in bed and you're, and you're in bed, that's the first moment you've got and you fall asleep. That's okay. Maybe the Lord's bringing rest upon your soul in a way that you needed it. But find that moment to listen to God.
and ask him, what is it that you're having me do in this time, in this place? Where, where are you leading me? And maybe it's something that you've never even imagined or envisioned before. But God's waiting for you to listen and to hear him so that he can tell you. We love you guys. Uh, we hope to uh, be with you uh, someday soon. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye.